0: Mm-hmm. We began a few weeks ago talking on this series of guardrails. So would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter six in just a moment, we'll get there. As you're doing that, let me welcome our campuses that are joining with us. I'm excited about what I'm hearing at each and every local campus. We're thankful for what God is doing there and we're believing for a great year that 2012 is gonna be your greatest year ever. My name is Eddie Couples, I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries and I believe that what I'm gonna preach to you today is going to be life changing. So I want you to get ready to receive what the Word of God says. Now, remember, we've been talking about this whole thing about guardrails. In fact, uh, we wanted you to know it so well that we even put one on the stage so that it would remind you every time that you look up here what we're talking about. And and so let me give you the definition of guardrails, okay? A guardrail is a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit Areas. How many of you know that the guardrail is not placed in the place of true danger? It's placed just inside. It's just on the right side of danger. And so you, if they remove the guardrail, you could drive closer to the edge. Uh, you, you know, you could get right, you know, you could hang one wheel off uh, right as you're going down that, that huge embankment. You could do all that. Uh, but the Department of Transportation said, you know what, we want to protect you. We want to help you, so we're going to put a guardrail on this side. Now, I want to tell you, if that's true in the natural, don't you think that we need guardrails in every area of our life? that we need guardrails in our finances, we need guardrails in our moral lives, we need guardrails in our family, and and so today we're going to continue to talk about that. Now, here's what a guardrail is. Here's kind of been our definition uh, in the quote-unquote spiritual dimension, and so I want you to listen to this. I hope you'll write this down, and I'll repeat this for you. A guardrail is a standard of behavior. It's a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. A guardrail is a standard of behavior that becomes a matter of conscience. Now, I want to tell you something. Every desire that you have in your life requires guardrails. Everything. Uh, Your desire for money requires guardrails. Your desire for food. Glory to God requires guardrails. Every aspect of your life requires guardrails. Now today, what we're going to talk about today I believe, is the most needed, but it is the most resisted area for guardrails in our society. I really believe that if we would get this one area right today, that we could literally change the culture of America. There would be less poverty. I believe there would be fewer unwanted pregnancies. There would be fewer men in prison. There would be thousands of children who would be tucked in bed at night by mama and daddy there'd be less domestic abuse there'd be fewer children in foster care and our inner cities would be transformed if you would listen to what I'm going to talk about today so here's the subject I'm going to give it to you a couple of ways we're going to talk about flea, baby flee flee baby flee or let's call it this flirt or flee There's a lot of people who like that flirt part, but they don't understand what it's going to cost in their life. Now, I want to tell you, if every desire requires a guardrail, your desire for physical sexual intimacy requires reinforced steel. Now, would you look at your neighbor today and tell them, get ready, he's getting ready to get in my business. Now, I promise you, if you blush easily, just go ahead and get it over. Because I'm going to get right down to it. We're going to talk about some things today. Here's what I found through the years that it is possible to recover from financial mistakes. It's possible to recover uh, from those decisions, uh, maybe in your profession or some kind of disaster that's taken place, or maybe even from neglecting your health. You can kind of get back on the treadmill and begin to do things right. But what I found through the years is that when you mess up sexually, when you mess up morally, it hounds you for the rest of your life life. See, the Word of God lets us know that sexual sin is unlike any other. It's not because it's more offensive to God. A lot of people think that it is. It isn't. But it's because of the damage that it does to you. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? In just a minute, I'm going to read a scripture to you that proves what I'm saying. But before I get there, let me talk a little bit about this. Here's what happens is, is that when we cross the line, whether we're married or single here today, when we cross the line sexually, when we get involved in ways that we should not before that commitment of marriage, what we do is, is that we open ourselves up to all kind of damage into our lives. One of those damages is generational damage. I mean, how hard is it for you to tell your children not to do what they know you've done? Boy, it's going to be quiet preaching today. See, what what happens is, is that, that the, the Word of God talks about that we are created in God's image and that we are a tripartite being. We are spirit, soul, and body. And what happens to us is, is that when we get involved in a sexual relationship that is outside the bonds of marriage, we enter into what is called a soul tie. Now, some of you have never heard that term, but write it down, a soul tie. What happens to you is this, and I'll prove it to you from Scripture in just a few moments. But the Word of God lets us know that when you enter into a sexual relationship with someone else, that you give some of yourself to them, and you leave some of yourself with them, but you take part of them with you that's why some of you have not seen certain individuals in 5, 10, 15, 20 years, but all of a sudden there will be this rush of emotion that will come back to you and you will get so entranced by somebody that you had a sexual relationship with 15 or 20 years ago and you go, I haven't even seen that person, they're probably ugly and fat by now. but because your soul has been tied. And the problem is, is that in our society, because of the promiscuity that has become so accepted, is that we have strode our souls to so many people, we have given ourselves away, that we are but a fragment of what we need to be once we come into unity in marriage. Now, again, I'm going to be very blunt today and talk to you about things that you need to hear because our society is much more blunt than I'm going to be in this sermon. So if you get offended easily, just pray real hard for pastor because I'm going to talk to you. All right, you, you know, not only does it do damage in the soulish part of our body, but it also in, in our body. You, you know what? Listen to me. You can get stuff from, from being with the wrong person that Ajax won't take off. I mean, there's all kind of STDs that are floating around out there. For those of you who don't know what that means, sexually transmitted diseases, that all it takes is for you being with the wrong person one time. And you'll spend tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars at doctors to take medicine, to take shots, to do all kind of things for the rest of your life because you did not honor what the Word of God says we lose our reputation, we carry guilt, all of these things. And not only that, but I think it's one of the greatest reasons that people suffer a lack of intimacy in their marriages once they get married because they have scattered themselves so far. Now, here's the good news. Let me give it to you so you won't freak out. The good news is is that God can restore you. The good news is God can put you back together. So if you've, been, if you've been in these places that I'm talking about, if you've given yourself away, let me just tell you, there's good news this morning. God can bring us back, and He can make us whole, and He can make us holy all over again. See, here's what happens. We think we get away with it. We think maybe the sexual indiscretion of an affair we get away with. We think that the momentary pleasure of internet pornography we get away with. We think all of these things, but what happens is is that it just goes underground and it surfaces later. And in our sexual identity, all that it does is that it complicates everything. Now, our culture and our society tells us just do whatever you want to do with whoever you want to do it. It does not matter. But the Word of God is quite clear that if we do that, we reap to ourselves all kind of destruction, and it's time. Listen, I know some of you are sitting there thinking, man, he's old school today, and he's being really old-fashioned, and he is so out of touch. I want to tell you, I am in touch with what's happening in our society, and I'm telling you, it is destroying us. When Jersey Shore becomes, and Snooky is, the person that our teenagers are emulating, we are in serious trouble. So it's time for the church to begin to say, listen, just because you went out with somebody and had a drink with them doesn't mean you have to give yourself to them. There is there is a standard of conduct. We're going to draw some guardrails today before we're done, and we are going to see what the Word of God says. How about that? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, would you look at uh, the verse there, verse number 18? It says this. Now, here's where I got my title. Flee from sexual immorality. I mean, it doesn't say, hey, just hang out with it. It says run. Flee, baby, flee. Get out of there. Don't stay. All other sins people commit are outside their bodies. If I lie, outside my body. Cheat, outside my body. Steal, outside my body. But these, this sin, those who sin sexually sin against their own bodies. Now, the Word of God's clear. Every time You break God's law in this area, you bring destruction to your body. You bring destruction to yourself. It is what the Word of God teaches us. Our problem is, is that we flirt, we don't flee. Well, it's not that bad, Pastor. It's okay. Pastor, what is, is. Let me just help you for a minute. I I want to tell you something for those of you singles. I'll get to singles and married in a minute, but let me talk to you singles for a minute. I'll talk to you like I used to talk to youth group. Nobody should be touching you anywhere that a bathing suit covers. That's worth the price of admission for some of you. Well, what is, you know, I have people ask small all the time. Well, what's too far, Pastor? What's, what's too much? What, you know, what, again, our president a few years back, what is, is? I, I want to tell you, anything that causes me to have little thoughts and ideas that I shouldn't have is too much. Wow, we're going to have fun today. This is the area, more than any other, that culture baits us to the edge and then mocks us when we step over it. This is, I mean, think, think about it, even in religious circles, how that you can get away with all, I mean, you can kill somebody, and, and you still keep on preaching, but if you cross this line, if you give in to this, our society comes out. I mean, I could mention two or three names, and your first thought would be sexual indiscretion, and that's been some of those, scandals happened 20 and 30 years ago in your first thought why because our culture baits us in every way I mean you know people say well you know yeah wives let me help you wives for a minute okay well you know I, I think my husband might have a, a problem with internet stuff I think you know and, and so I, I told him to turn that internet off and come in here and, and watch Dancing with the Stars with me Flee, baby, flee. You think dancing with the stars isn't going to get his attention in the wrong place? What's wrong with y'all? Well, I just like it because of the moves. Exactly. And because they're not wearing any clothes. I'm just going to talk to us today. See, we live in a society that 30 years ago, what's being popularized to our teenagers And when you walk down the hall of the mall, what's shown for your 13 and 14-year-old teenage daughter to wear 30 and 40 years ago is what they were wearing on the street corner. Now, you don't have to like this, but I'm just telling you where we're living. And then we wonder why little Susie winds up pregnant because nobody's taught little Johnny how to have any self-control. And we've put stuff out there that we shouldn't be, and you're not liking this, I can tell. This is where we're living. I mean, when was the last time that you saw a movie that celebrated a relationship between a husband and a wife? Now, I'm talking about that we're with each other. I mean, the, the last one I remember is Rocky. One. Adrian! Really? You realize how many years that's been? I mean, that's, you know, we entertain ourselves. Think about it. We enter, the movies that we go and watch, the shows that we watch, we entertain ourselves with affairs, and then we're disgusted when somebody steps over the line and actually has one. What's wrong with us? Come on, we need some guardrails. We need some things in our life that says, we're not going to do this. If you think flea is extreme in our culture, you should have grown up in the Greek culture that this is written to. They had slaves that they literally breeded, owned, and for one purpose, and that was to be prostitutes. And the Apostle Paul writing here to that culture says, a culture in one sense more perverse than ours, he says to them, look, flee sexual immorality. And you know what? There's never been a day where sexual immorality is more available in so many ways than it is today. You can sit in church and pull it up on your iPhone. You can download it anywhere you are. That's the kind of culture we live in. It must have seemed impossible and unnecessary when the Apostle Paul wrote this. But look at verse 19. He says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? who is in you, whom you have received from God. Now, if you, if you don't know Christ today, this scripture may not really relate to you, but I want to tell you, we have a very high belief of this human body. We believe that we were made in the image and in the likeness of God. And so the scripture says, is that the Holy Spirit lives in you. God himself lives in you. He put himself there. He goes on to say, you are not your own, Well, I just do what I want to do. No, you're not your own. Well, if it feels good, do it. No, you're not your own. Well, I I just have these desires. You are not your own. Got it? I can say it another five times. You're not your own. He goes on to say, you were bought at a price. Watch, therefore. Anytime you see therefore, you need to know what it's there for. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He's talking about sexually. You know what? You have to decide how important this is to you. Because society, sure not. Society is going to get you way on the other side. And then they're going to tsk tsk as they walk by, and you're in the ditch. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever decided to honor God with your body or just an hour on Sunday? I mean, have you made that decision? You say, you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to honor God with my body, the way that I conduct myself, the way that I live. Now, let me talk to you. Before you totally tune me out, before you start planning your lunch, before you start planning your week, let me ask you a couple of questions. What I'm talking about today, let me ask you a question this way. How do you want your spouse or your future spouse or how do you want your kids to manage this part of their life? Culture or guardrails? Where do you want to draw? Well, I hope my wife doesn't do this. I hope my husband did not I sure don't want my kids to do this. Wait a minute. What about you? What about you? Where are you drawing the lines? Are are there things that you are entertaining? Are there things that you are doing? Are there things that you're flirting with in your life that you sure wouldn't want your kids to know about? Are there things, teenagers and singles, that you wouldn't want your parents to know about? Let me ask you another question. Do you think, if you ignore what I'm talking about today, and you get in trouble sexually, do you think that you're going to ask God for help? I mean, if you have an unwanted pregnancy or an STD or or an affair gets discovered or internet addiction shows up and and, and you're caught, do you think you're going to ask God to help you? Let me answer that for you. Yes, you will. Oh, God, if you would just not let her be pregnant this time. I promise I'll go to East Johunga as a missionary and live in a mud hut. God, help me. Let me me do this. Here's what I think God will whisper back to you. I tried to. I yelled at you through that guy sitting up there with the mic on his head. I tried to get your attention, and you just chuckled under your breath and said, preachers. (laughs) I I, I don't know where you are. But here's what I want to do today. I want to give us some guardrails. I'm going to give you five guardrails for married people, and I'm not going to leave the singles out. I'm going to give you four, one less than married people but I promise you they will add up. So you ready for them? Now, let me say this before I start giving them. Some of them are going to sound archaic. Some of them are going to sound like, Pastor, there's no way I can do this. You don't know the industry I'm in. You don't know what I'm doing. Listen, all I'm saying to you is, is that if you would put some guardrails, you don't have to take all of mine, but if you would just get some guardrails in your marriage, it would protect you from divorce court. Ready? Number one. Don't travel alone with members of the opposite sex. Pastor, that's so old school. That's so old fashioned. No, no, no. That's right now, right here. In all the years of pastoring, I have never met anybody who had an affair who just, we, we didn't even know each other. We just woke up one day and there we were. No, it starts Somewhere. It starts in that trip across town. It starts in that drive down the road. It starts on that business trip where just the two of you go and you start talking to each other. Ready for number two? You love number one so well. Don't eat alone with members of the opposite sex. Well, you know, it's just, we just have break together, just the two of us. Well, why don't you want everybody else in there? Well, you know, we, we, just, we just met at the restaurant together, just the two of us, because, you know, I was trying to help him. Yeah. Really? You're going to help yourself into a mess is what you're going to help yourself in. Ready for number three? We're just going to start praying in the Spirit all over the building, I can tell. You're going to love this one. I mean, this was just going to mess with some of you. Don't hire cute members of the opposite sex because you want to help them. Really? Well, you know, this girl came in and she applied and she was just so, you know, so, I just felt like I could help her. I got, I got an MC Hammer moment coming on right now. I just wish I had the britches up here because I'd just go, I'd bust a move and say, can't touch this. <laughs> you don't hire people because you want to help them. You hire people because they can help you. Well honey, I was you know, I was I was just this this guy came in and he just, you know, he was he was so qualified and he was so I, I just I just felt like I needed to help him. Wife, you know, comes in after the husband and says, You know, this this girl I just hired this young lady and she's she's well qualified. Wife walks in the first day, walks back to her office, says, Yeah, not only is she well qualified, she's well endowed. <laughs> Watch want y'all Now, I'm not saying that everybody at your office or everybody you hire needs to be ugly. That's not what I'm teaching. But I'm teaching if that's you're hiring the cute one to help them, you're in trouble. Can you handle two more? Single people are getting ready to bail. I'm out. Number four, don't confide in or counsel members of the opposite sex. Now, I'm not talking about if you're a professional counselor. I'm talking about in the sense of, well, you know, there's this lady at work, and she just really needs my counsel. And so I've been meeting with her, and I've been counseling her. Or when you hear yourself say, you know, I can confide in him things I can't tell my husband. Stop it. You're headed to stupidity. And stupidity is going to head to divorce court. It's a whole lot cheaper to hire them a professional counselor than it is to go through a divorce. Number five, when you feel your heart or your desire drifting toward a specific person, tell somebody. Tell somebody. The best person to tell if you've got a healthy relationship is your spouse. But if the relationship is not as healthy as it needs to be, then get somebody in your life that you can call up and say, man, there's this person at work. There's this person I'm involved with. There's this person at the ball game. There, there's somebody, and, and they don't even know it. But, man, I. that's so old school. That's so foolish. That no wonder one out of two marriages in America ends in divorce. We never set any guardrails. And for everybody that tells you everybody is doing it, they're lying. Everybody is not doing it. You can draw some lines. You can have some success. I recently was in a meeting. In fact, this past week, I was in a meeting on leadership. I was in a leadership forum. Dr. Mark Rutland was teaching me. He said he's 64 years, been married like 40 years. He said he was in a rough high school recently. He said, I mean, it was one of the toughest high schools around. And he said, I didn't even know how I was going to relate to them. He said, but I walked to the front, and he said, said, what I said, he said, I wasn't even thinking about it. He said, "I, I literally said, I want to tell you a little bit about myself. My wife and I have been married for over 40 years. He said, when he said that, the entire student body stood on their feet and began to cheer. He said it was such an overwhelming moment. He said I had to re-engage to know what I was going to say next because he said the majority of them hadn't seen anybody stay together 40 days. Can I just give this as a side note and get off the married people and get on singles? Man, I figured I'd have a course of married people going, yes! <laughs> if you're married, you should know where your spouse would like the guardrail. where do you want one? Where would you like it to be? Who do you not want? Listen, through the years, it happens rarely, but through the years, Sherry will come to me, and she will say something on this order, very nice, very sweet, very wonderful, as Sherry always is, and every one of you think that. She is. God love her. She's put up with me for all these years, but she will at times come to me and say, I don't want you near that woman. And, and men are dumb. I, I just go, well, why? She just, you know, she likes being her, you know, she just wants my great wisdom and my anointing and my power. And she wants to experience the glory of God, you know. <laughs> Sherry said, if you see her coming up one aisle, you go down the other. Don't you even shake her hands. And I've learned, yes, ma'am, whatever she's, because at that moment she is sensing something that I don't sense. And I want to tell you, the enemy sets traps for all of us. Come on, let's talk about single people. Let's get off this married people stuff. Number one, single people, here it goes. Gouge out your eyes with a spoon. I'm done. It's biblical. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Let me get serious. Number two, you might write that one down. Apply the married people's guidelines in your relationships with married people. Don't be the cute little thing. Don't be the handsome big thing. Don't be whatever that violates a married person's boundaries. You be the one who takes the stand. Maybe they're not going to, maybe they're not a believer, whatever, but you choose. I'm not crossing that line. I've made a decision. Listen, I I understand that in our society, even in the church, it's almost an accepted fact that single people are going to sleep around. But I want to tell you, if you're doing it, it's sin. The Word of God tells you to flee from sexual immorality. Well, Pastor, you just don't know. I just, I, you're so old. You know, when I was 20, I thought by the time I was 30, I'd have it handled. Wouldn't have those kind of thoughts. I turned 30. I said, Well, maybe when I get to 40, I'll have handled that part of my being. I got to 40. I said, 50. Not gonna have any trouble when I get to 50. I'm praying for 60. And somebody come up to me after the first service and said, they're working on 80s, and it's still. (laughs) (laughs) And one way that gives me hope, and another way. (laughs) I love religious people. Some of y'all just (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) went. Number three. Write this one down in black and white and blue and then underline it. No sleepovers. No sleepovers. Sleepovers are for eight-year-olds. Well, you know, it was just so late and he was so tired. I just told him he could just sleep on the couch. He'll be creeping down the hall. Oh, baby, I just want to tell you how much I love you tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Cut it out. Guardrail. Three o'clock in the morning. Go home, Bubba. Go on a trip together. Stay at one end of the hotel and the other end of the hotel. That's, just, that's so old school. I know. It's God's school. Now here's the fourth one. This one will set you free, single people, if you'll do what I say. It is so ingrained in our culture that dating, in fact, I saw this on a show the other night and I went, what? That the third date is the time that you decide whether or not you're going to have sex or not. So you can go out the first two times, you don't have to worry about it, but that third date, you've got to make a decision. And, and we're going to have sex tonight or the relationship's over. Really? Here's what some of you need to do, because some of you, even as believers, you've built this pattern. And you fall into sin, you confess your sin, you get forgiven, but next Friday night, you're on a date. Here's what some of you need to do. Hear me, I'm, I'm being real forceful and frank with you, but I want you to get it take a relationship break. Give yourself six months to a year to reboot yourself and to re-gear yourself where that you live from a godly place and not from a place of culture. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not dating. I'm going to give it. I'm going to give a season of rest. Here's what will happen. If you will do that, I believe with all my heart that God can then bring the right person into your life. Because now you're changing why you're doing what you're doing. There's some other areas I just quickly. This is for everybody. Watch who you talk to on Facebook. And watch how much time you spend with them on Facebook. And when you start private messaging them things that you don't want your spouse or your parents or somebody to see, cut it off. Some of you need to bring the computer to the living room because you have a tendency to get trapped in the moment and you hit the wrong button and you wind up in the wrong place and you watch the wrong stuff and you feel guilty and you repent and you swear you'll never do it again, but you don't have any guardrails. Extreme, not really, just common sense. Mark Twain, who many of you would know, Mark Twain said, in fact, some of you might know him personally, but uh, Mark Twain said, common sense ain't so common. Even if it's an extreme deal that I'm asking, flee, flee, flee. I mean, honestly, do you think you're going to look back in five years and regret these kinds of decisions I'm talking about? Wish I'd had more sleepovers. Boy, I wish there were more people in my life that I never want to see again. Boy, I hope I can see eight people at Kroger next week that I have to go down the other aisle because I'm embarrassed to see them. Really? I don't think you're going to feel that that's too extreme. You know what, it is, extreme. it is extreme in one way because watch this, if you're married, this is how you have an extremely awesome, you're the only one for me kind of marriage. It's where you come to that understanding of that old song that says, I only have eyes for you. Let me tell you something, great romance in marriage is fueled by a sense of exclusivity. If they know that you are for them and they are for you, your marriage will be much healthier than if they always think you've got a wondering eye. So you decide. I'm bringing this to a close. You decide. Flirt. Culture. Lifestyle of the rich and famous and stupid. Snooky's my mentor, the situation's my guy, the idiots from Jersey Shore are who I look to, or flee. Flee, baby, flee. I close. To flee is to honor God with your body. That's what God's Word tells us to do.